Welcome to Seeking Paradise, Reflections on Spirituality, Community and Justice. Democracy, our theme this month, expresses a belief not just in how the world should be organised, but also how we should be organised as a church. The American Unitarian Universalist Association affirms as its fifth principle the right of conscience and the use of the democratic process within our congregations and in society at large. And that's not a secular commitment, but a deeply religious commitment. It comes from a foundational belief in spiritual equality. It comes from a sense just the same as the Quakers that there is that of God in every person. American Unitarian James Luther Adams said, our tradition has articulated and emphasized the notion, not only of the priesthood of all believers, but also of the prophethood of all believers. This prophethood belongs not merely to the clergy, it belongs to the congregation and to the individuals in the congregation. Unitarians affirm a theology of radical equality. We affirm that all Unitarians are priests, are prophets, are pastors. Priests to pray and to heal, prophets to challenge and to work for justice, and pastors to care for one another. But the real meaning of prophethood is to be filled with the spirit like the story we've had from the torah the spirit is poured out on everyone the spirit is poured out on people who weren't at the right place at the right time there's some folks who weren't quite authorized who weren't quite in the in and did the right thing who weren't in the same place where the other people received this 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 gift of the spirit and someone shouts out someone kind of comes and complains to Moses they shouldn't have the spirit they're not allowed they've not been through the proper process that's what happens in this story uh, from the book of Numbers and Moses says to those complainers would that all the Lord's people were prophets if only if only all the Lord's people were prophets. If only everyone was so connected to their spirits, to their divinity, to that deeper connection that they operated out of that spirit-filled place. If only, if only. That's what it means to be a prophet, to connect with truth within and to be able to speak the truth in the world. Now, there's a long and complex history of, of prophets in Jewish history. S some were more kind of advisors to kings, but others were, were on the outside of the royal court, outside of high society, and were the only people often in society who could criticize kings because the people recognized them as prophets, knew there was something holy about them, and so kings would be reluctant, afraid to... Uh, kill or to, to imprison 
someone who was a prophet. So the prophet had that role of speaking truth to power. We sometimes think prophesying is about predicting the future, but it's more about telling the truth and firing the imagination. So the obvious example to talk about is climate change. To say, for someone to say today, we're heading to a disastrous future and we need to change our ways to imagine ourselves into a new future. That's a prophetic statement. It's not magic, magically predicting the future, but it's telling the truth about the present and the future and telling a story about a different present and a different future to prophesy is to connect with spirit to prophesy is to tell the truth to prophesy is to imagine something different i think we need a lot more prophecy right now to live into that vocation that calling uh, for all to be prophets sometimes prophecy expresses itself in what we call lamentation, lamenting, lamenting just how awful everything is, saying it, saying the truth of it. It's clear as a society we just don't know how to lament, which is partly to do with the fact that we don't know how to grieve. We're in such a dark time in this moment, such a difficult time. So many people have died of coronavirus. And though things slowly get slightly better, still this week in the, in the UK, on, on good days, we're down to between 100 and 200 people dying. And on bad days, still 500 to 600 people dying that we know of that kind of go into the statistics for these things. And there's people who don't get caught up in those statistics. Yeah. So even, even on the good days, even on the good days, even on the best days we're having right now, that still represents two Grenfell Tower fires a day on the good days. And on the bad days, 10 Grenfell Tower fires every single day that's the death toll we're in right now and where is our mourning for this where is our grief for this where is our sadness where is our anger where are our sackcloth and ashes the prime minister should be appearing on tv every night beating his chest and saying, I'm so sorry, this is so awful. As a culture, I think we seem to be so much in denial about death and about suffering. Now, of course, as individuals, we can't be in a constant state of grief. We just, we just can't, right? We need, as people, to take some time for escapism, for, for, for enjoyment, not, not watching news 24-7. Of course we do. Of course we need that. We really do. I'm watching a lot of, a lot of silly comedies right now. I, I need that. I need to just watch 
comedies from 20 years ago and just live into that world and to, to be in a place of silliness and, and nonsense and turning off to what is in the world right now. Like I'm doing that. You're doing that. I hope we need to do that. Right. We need to do that stuff. I'm not saying we have to be always in deep grief because it's, it's, it's impossible to do that in any case. But we also, at the same time, we need as a society to come together for rituals of mourning, for rituals of grief, for rituals that tell the truth, that tell the truth about what's happened. And it's because we are so bad at ritual, so bad at remaining with the truth of our feelings, that I see our society in denial, in numbness, in an artificial cheeriness. Walter Brueggemann, the great biblical scholar, said, the task of prophetic ministry is to nurture, nourish, and evoke a consciousness and perception alternative to the consciousness and perception of the dominant culture around us. We need to nourish this alternative consciousness that is different from our society's consciousness, an alternative imagination which is different to our society's imagination because the dominant culture around us has something wrong with it, has many things wrong with it. And our prophetic task is to evoke a different consciousness, a different imagination. But the dominant culture doesn't want you to do that. The dominant culture doesn't want you to grieve because grief is too close to anger. And I think we should be turning grief into anger. That the words of John O'Donoghue, uh, one of his poems, blessings, talks of turning our anxiety into righteous anger. There's a calling in that too. It seems difficult to doubt that serious mistakes have been made in the handling of this crisis. And those mistakes may have led to tens of thousands of deaths. I still can't believe that the Wales-Scotland game with the Six Nations, if you remember in March, very nearly went ahead. And it was only called off by the Welsh Rugby Union. It wasn't called off by the Welsh government who are quite happy to have 80,000 people streaming into Cardiff, thousands of people streaming into packed trains into Cardiff Central Station at the height of this pandemic. There are serious questions that are gonna be needed to be asked of both Welsh government and UK government. There are questions we need to ask. I'm quite a chilled person, I think. People who know me would, would consider me a, a chilled person, uh, like calm and collected person. You know, I've literally, I, I've never had an argument in my life. Like that's, that's not the way I function, okay, right? But I've been getting in touch, <laughs> I've been getting in touch with my inner rage recently. I've been getting in touch with my rage. And I think that's good. I think that's healthy. 
and I think that's needed. I think I'm sort of always constantly surprised that as a society we're not more filled with rage about this, about lots of things, about homeless dying on our streets, about the climate crisis. Why aren't we all full of rage about these things? Why are we numb to this stuff? I think rage is one of the appropriate responses to this season. And so I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning to pay attention to my rage. I'm learning to let the truth of my rage exist. To not suppress that, to live into that, to express that. Right. But our prophetic task is not just to point out what is wrong, but to imagine an alternative, to imagine a different consciousness, to imagine a land where we bind up the broken, to imagine a land where the captives go free, where the oil of gladness dissolves all mourning, a land where sisters and brothers anointed by God may then create peace, where justice shall roll down like waters and peace like an ever-flowing stream. We need to imagine that promised land. We have to imagine it. We have to create the rituals that make it real. We have to sing it. We have to discover it into being. And then we have to build it in the ruins of our broken world. In whatever new world is, is seeking to be born in this moment. If only, if only all were prophets, if only all were prophets, if only this vision lived in all of us, if only our eyes were on beloved community, if only the homeless were housed, if only the hungry were fed, if only we acted like we were citizens of beloved community in abundance, in connection, in right relationship, in neighborliness, in localness, in globalness. If only we had that different imagination and lived into it and built rituals around it and created it and sought it in the world around us. If only, if only all God's people were prophets. If only each of us heard that call to be a prophet. If only we could live our imagination into a new consciousness. What kind of world could we have?